we're here. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Good Hi, all. Welcome. Jen. Welcome. Wednesday, another afternoon, generational change. I'm Jen. I'm Peter, but this may be the last afternoon show for a little while, so don't get too excited. Yeah, yeah. How is everything on your end? Everything is good here. You know, it's always down to the last minute, wondering if you're going to show up. Of course I'm going to show up. I've just got uh, got a really busy day today. Mm. We talk. Yes. So uh, are we going to talk about the AOC thing or, or what do you want to get into? Let's, and- jump, let's get right into it with our good friend who is here. We are not going to make the lady wait. Um, <clears throat> you know, when you do local politics, there's not a lot of good people that you really uh, get to meet and get to know. Um, because when it comes to local politics, you get to see people's true colors. Um People may act one way towards you when you don't have anything that you have to offer them or anything that might potentially be in their way of ascendancy when it comes to politics. But one person who really stood out in a fantastic way is a lady by the name of Mona Lisa Weber, uh, who does amazing activism here in Broward and has for some time and has been working with an organization called Probation Station and has been at the heart of one of the key, uh, I wouldn't call it tasks, but one of the key initiatives that we've really made a premium here in South Florida, and that, of course, is community gardens. And many of other things to be discussed, uh, but Mo does have her own YouTube channel now, Community Work, and we want to be able to promote that, as well as discuss uh, any and all things that may be going on Um, in the world of local politics and obviously what we can be doing uh, to help with the local initiatives that are of most importance. So without further ado, Mona Lisa Weber, welcome back to Generational Change. Hey, y'all. Hey, Mo. How y'all doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Sitting here drinking my water. My throat kind of feeling a little... I don't know. What's fancy? Tell us what's fancy about the water because you never are just drinking something plain. Well, no, it's well, it's alkaline water, but it's infused with um, pineapple mint. So there there yeah, I'm, I'm good. I don't have no cold or anything. I just think that, you know, sometimes you just eat something and your throat kind of toe up a little bit. That, you got a frog. You got a frog in your throat. Okay, that's how we'll define it. <laughs> um, I am so happy to be here. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to kind of speak in a whole different like lane and platform and stuff of that nature. So um, I appreciate both of you, all the work that you're doing and really trying to, you know, share information with the community because we are clueless. We like knowledge. We have no idea what the fuck is going on. So um, your um, your platform is needed and we appreciate you. So thank you for having me. So let's let's get right into it. I mean, your biggest passion since I've known you is educating your people and specifically uh, mentoring youth and really helping raise up the community from the ground up. I mean, it's 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 about education, but also it's more than that. It's a community thing. And that's why I love that you call it community work, because that's really what you do is work in the community. And um, talk a little bit about why you think it's so desperately needed, like what you see on the ground in your community in terms of like wasted power. 
people that either don't know what their power is, don't even know where to find. I mean, talk about like why this is so important. So um, I, I do want to make it clear that like community work just arose, right? Like I didn't understand the connection between community work and local politics or politics at all. Right. So um, just to let the audience, you know, a little bit about myself, I'm a former probation officer. And as a former probation officer, I saw things that didn't make sense to me. You know how sometimes you you know that things are happening, but you don't really understand them. But in your soul, well, at least in my soul, I have always been able to sense like things that are kind of weird and shady. The shit don't make no sense. So um, I, I quit the department because I just couldn't really take the, the fact that there wasn't any solutions. I just saw a lot of setups. Right. And 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 I, and I learned the system in a way where. You know, you commit a particular crime, but the language used looks like you freaking killed somebody. Like everything is so enhanced, right, to suppress and oppress uh, a particular group of people. I didn't understand that. I went into the system saying, okay, Department of Corrections Rehabilitation. So I'm like, oh, we're going to rehabilitate some people in real life. Like, oh, shit, this is dope. Uh, that's not the case. So... Me being who I am, I've, I've, I've been this way because I'm real big on who you are because you produce who you are, right? So if you're evil and mean, that's what you're going to produce. If you're if you're a good-hearted person, it, it comes out in the details. It comes out in the things that you do. So in understanding that I wasn't able to... I wasn't really able to change the system. I was impactful in some ways. I was able to help people. I advocated in court. I gave some hell in court. You know, I stood up for people. Like I'm real big on justice. I'm real big on justice. I'm real big on what's right. I'm, I'm real big on being fair. I don't like bullies, right? Like in New York growing up, you stomp bullies. You feel me? Like straight up, like you just, you do what you need to do and nobody bothers you again. And that's what it is. That's how it was growing up in the eight, early eighties. Hmm. So I come out, right? So I left the department and I began to uh, work with lawyers and I created, um, while working with lawyers, I began to use my knowledge to help the community, right? Early termination of probation, reducing fees, like using it as a leverage and educating our people to understand, like, if you know what you're getting into, you're able to make wiser decisions for a different outcome. I do not advocate for like, you know, like doing wrong or getting over the system or anything of that nature. Like you took the plea, but take the plea with knowledge, right? Take the plea with, with, with knowing what you're getting into. So that's kind of like what I, what I vouch and advocate for. So fast forward, um, in 2014, I created a radio station called probation station, right? It kind of took me everywhere locally. Um, I, it just kind of went wildfire. It got me to like series XM, NBC, like all this stuff. And it was just really me teaching our people proactive measures on how to maneuver through the system. Nothing major. It was just really a lot of lack of, um, there's just a lot of lack of knowledge. And then when I was in the system, I also worked in the courtroom with a felony judge. So now I get to see what was happening in the courtroom. And it's just clear that it's a factory. It's a setup. It's, it's, it's just, everybody's in cahoot with everybody. And that's neither here nor there. 
But it's I believe it's our responsibilities as citizens to understand what we're getting into. Right. When you work a job, when you're when, when you are going to be hired or when you apply for a job, you have the proper qualifications. You have the proper understanding of what you're getting into. So this is what we need to be doing, educating our communities on if you commit a crime or if you get picked up by the police, you need to understand what you're getting into. Well, so I work for attorneys, helped a lot of people get on probation, helped their situations, very impactful. So moving forward, I through my journey of probation station, um, my good friend and business partner, J.C. Duguay, Jean-Claude Duguay, a criminal trial lawyer out of Miami, he was my mentor, my father, my brother, my friend, just someone that I really admired and cared for, a, a, a brother of justice, a brilliant trial attorney who wasn't afraid to stand up to the system. Um, he passed away. So when he passed away, um, everything changed. Everything changed. Um, I just started to... What's the word I'm looking for? I just started to like help more people on the ground, right? Because at this time I was also mentoring the incarcerated youth. And I met a brother by the name of A1 and I needed to be busy because I had suicidal thoughts, right? This journey is not easy. This journey is um, it's challenging, it's devastating. It carries a lot of burdens. So I was having like suicidal thoughts. Well, I, you know, I, 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 in my mind, I know better. So I'm like, okay, I'm having these type of thoughts. Let me call some friends. Um, a good friend of mine, Jensen Mentor Cox, was the one who kind of like literally picked me up from the floor to be like, look, you're needed. You're valuable. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's let's pick you up. Like, you have work to do. So I chose to begin working with A1 in the community, and we began doing community work, right? So community work is everything, meaning what y'all are doing is community work, right? Eating healthy is community work. Um, sharing information is community work. Providing your gifts and talents is community work. So the reason why my channel now is called Community Work, and you can find it Community Work 954, um, is because it really taught me that you can contribute this much and make a, make a change. So in the process of community work, so things like, I'll give you some examples that we do. Um, kids movie nights where we kept over 30 kids from the streets, right? On a Friday night, feed them, you know, popcorn, hot dogs, hamburgers. We were doing a lot of stuff like straight in the, in the trenches, right? In deep in the community. And we would use like a extension cord and plug it inside the window. You know what I'm saying? Just make things happen, right? There's no excuses. Um, we also had, um, man, I think back, it's just so dope, like all the stuff that we've done. Um, kite day, um, the ice cream truck, right? Giving giving ice cream to the kids. Um, our famous, because now I'm known as the pancake lady. I didn't even know that. They were like, Someone's yeah. Lady, you're the pancake lady. So we do pancake breakfast, right? In a form of, and Jen, you've been there, right? In the form yeah. of um, like Menchie's or Yogurt Land, where we bring the, the healthy stuff, right? Set up really, really nice. We make heart-shaped red pancakes with hearts to show love, right? Um, 
healthy fruits, you know, berries, strawberries, blackberries, blueberries, kiwi, things that usually some of our communities are not exposed to other than bananas and oranges and apples, right? Fish, there's a whole bunch more fruits and stuff than that. So it, it just became a thing like now parents are sitting down eating with their children. Community is actually speaking to one another. And in these pancake breakfasts, we bring out the grill. We make the pancakes mix right there. Everything is in the forefront for everybody to see. And it just got a lot of support. You know, um, I'm a visionary. I'm a spiritual being. Um, I sit still and listen to the most high. And a lot of these things are not even my ideas. It's just they just come through like I'm the vessel that's used to implement these ideas. So and, and it just became like a hit, like. Next thing you know, we have 100, 200 people coming through. We got 300 people. And I'm like, what the, what? Like, this is insane, right? So that's what helped me get closer to the people as I've already been close to the people, right? But it brought me closer. And now you start hearing all these stories, right? That kind of like stick right here, like, right? And you're like, oh my God, like, what the, are we supposed to do with all this? So I, I'm just innovative, um, creative, the way we got, and, and y'all can ask me questions because y'all know I talk forever, so y'all got to kind of cut me off. All right, so. I've got a, I've got a question. Right, and I think it's okay. very relevant to this topic. Um, Mo, we, we live in a country that has a for-profit prison industrial complex. It is the, probably the biggest weight um, that bears down on communities of color, especially ones that are impoverished. Uh, we were on the front lines of what I like to call uh, the worst type of, uh, you know, systemic poverty that runs itself ragged. And, and it's, uh, it's a sad story that you see all the time. But when we attempted to build a community garden in Liberia, we saw the effects of what uh, gentrification uh, is in the worst form. Uh, when a community is starting to find its way in a very positive way, somebody comes in and says, oh, no, we can't have that. No, we can't have that. We got to, you know, we, we got to change that. Can you talk about the effects that that has on communities that w when everyone has this perception, oh, they're they're just in poverty because that's just the way it is and, and, and they deserve it. Could we talk about how this is really a systemic problem and how the world just completely bears down on them? to prevent, you know, inevitable uh, growth and success. Damn it, man. You had to talk about the community guard. You already know. Of course. <sighs> okay. I just really, I just, I just really feel that. And, and, you know, black people are the pawns. We're being used in everybody's game. Um, and everything that's happening is, is in purpose, right? I'm not even going to say on purpose. It's in purpose. Like, it is strategic. Every, everything has been designed to ensure that the Black community does not get the proper education that is needed. Like, everything is designed in that way. Um, like for example, you know, we have the local school board races, right? And I I'm learning, okay? So y'all please bear with me because when it comes to politics, I'm still learning, right? 
you know, Peter, I ask you questions. Jennifer, I ask questions. Um, I ask questions of like, because I'm still learning this because it's, it's just so much. It's, it's so many different levels from like, you know, school board, commissioners, mayors, state reps, Congress, right? I'm learning all this stuff now, like all these different lines that are cut to like redline. And, you know, I have my real estate license and I knew about redlining, but I didn't realize like really like, you know, I've just had some epiphanies, right? Of like, holy shit, this is what's really happening. So when we had the community garden, right? We started a slap in the middle of Liberia, a very impoverished community, um, no resources in the immediate area, just a bunch of corner stores, right? To make everybody else profitable. Um, and it became like an instant hit. It, it was like the young folks were coming out, the families were coming out, the husbands and the wives and the kids were coming out, the elders were coming out, the young people were coming out. And now you saw this amazing connection between different generations in this space. Now, this space was like literally by the alley, by the corner store, you know, with with the with folks that I guess others may call undesirable. Right. Um, You know, and, and, you know, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. I'm so sick and tired of these privileged ass people thinking that they better than everybody else and looking at us as undesirable when we have so many gifts and talents to change the world locally and worldwide. And I'm sick of y'all. I'm really sick of this shit because we were all made by, right? Like we're all human. We're all flesh, blood, bones, right? I don't understand why people, other people think that other people are better than other people. I know money has a play in it. I get it. Um, But the universe provides an abundance and therefore there's enough for everyone. So it's really about perspective and how you look at things. But I'm really sick of y'all. Like I'm sick of y'all that just think that you're better than others. And most of some of y'all haven't even been through shit. Y'all cry about the bullshit. Like it's, if you hear some of these stories, you wouldn't even understand like what's going on. So I just had to say that because that's really been bothering me lately. Like, especially I started my channel. Well, I restarted it and I and I got one particular comment that really bothered me. And you could tell it was someone a privilege. You could tell it was someone because just the language. And I think I know who it is, but, you know, I don't want to say any names, but it's definitely someone running for office locally on the school board. But I'll keep it that. Oh, yeah. Right. Ricky kind of gave that one away there, Mo. We right. know who most people won't, but I know I we know who you're talking right. about. Right. So I'm just sick and tired of like the power dynamics, right? But then the crazy part is that we are the ones that are being used for profit, right? So without us, there is no them. But um I guess Peter, to answer your question, it's uh, unless you're in it or you live it and are being affected by it, that's the only way you really see it. Because most people are like, well, you know, we're beautifying our neighborhoods or, or you know, um, we, we need this in certain schools. So people just don't 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 understand the displacement that gentrification does. And if you are going to gentrify. Right. 
why not call it beautify and keep the people in it and bring the resources that are needed for everyone to keep their homes? Because that doesn't allow people to make ungodly amounts of money because that's right. all it's about. Right. And then I come to find out that realistically this happens because the local politicians are indebted or, or have made deals with developers, right? So I'm like, holy shit, wait a minute. Right, so understand that I am one that through the process of community work have learned all this because I only came out here to serve my people. I didn't come out here, go ahead. No, 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 finish your thought. I just, I didn't, I literally, so you, I don't know. Can some people kind of relate to when you're like, there's something in your soul and you want to just do it, right? With no hidden agendas and nothing in the back of your head, but just like, okay, I want to teach the young folks about this. There's no agenda. It's just you coming out and you're doing something because that's what your inner core is telling you to do. You know, some people don't believe in certain things, so I don't want to offend anybody, but, and, and that was all I came for. I just came out to help the people. I've been helping people since I was a G, since I was little. My mom used to pick up homeless people from under the bridge. You feel me? And we, we grew up on welfare, poor as hell. So I didn't understand, like, I just didn't understand a lot of things because my mom and us being in poverty, right? Many nights going to bed hungry with like, you know, all we could do is drink water to fill our belly. Like, and, but then she's still helping others. I just did not understand how people with all this money just can't do the same. Right. I think, so you're, now, I think, you're, I, I think you're seeing it every, I think you're seeing it everywhere. Um, the, the battle for control over education has become, uh, you know, everyone talks about, oh, you know, the, you know, the GOP in Tallahassee is, you know, trying to get rid of woke tech, you know, math books and things like that. But the truth is they do not want an educated populace. They do not want people thinking for themselves and asking questions. And this goes whether it is in black communities in poverty or rural white communities in the central and northern part of the state. They do not want people asking questions because if they did, they would finally realize just how screwed they're getting and figuring out ways to solve that problem. And I think that that's something that we see. And listen, it's not, probably not lost on you either, Jen. You know, we in Hollywood, there is this major developer who is trying to build a luxury high rise condo complex at the community center in Hollywood Beach. Now, what? Why, why is that getting a lot of attention? Because that's where people with money live and they don't want it. So when people with money and ways and means have money and they can say, I don't want this in my neighborhood, the politicians have to listen. They don't have a choice because they know that either someone's going to run against them and get support or they're going to support themselves and run against them and get them out. Whereas in communities of poverty, they're just, again, like you said, they're the pawns on the chessboard. It's like, ah, we'll just step on them. They're easy targets anyway. But if people in those neighborhoods start learning how the game is played, oh, that's the most dangerous thing to the establishment that could possibly happen. Right. Yeah. So that's where I come in. Right. So I remember. Man, this shit was crazy. So and I think Jen, you was there. So we have this pancake breakfast about, I don't know, 100, 200 people are there. Some shit. Right. Yeah. And then I'm seeing politicians coming through. So I'm like, um, who is that? And why is this white person here? Right. This is like, and I'm just being like, I'm being very like blunt raw. I'm like, I don't understand. So now I'm going to my community partner. What's going on? Why, 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 why are they here? Right. So I don't know who explained it to me. Like when you have 
a whole bunch of people, you get noticed by politicians. And I'm like, what do you mean? I, I don't get it. People are numbers. People are votes. I'm like, what? But that's like the prison system. The prison system, people is numbers and, and people on probation is numbers. So my, you know, I'm like clueless. Like I did not understand the correlation between bringing out so many people and then voting, right? So now politicians is hitting us up. I'm like, really? These politicians hitting us up? We from the streets, we from the hood. We don't know what the fuck. Because really we, we just, we just want to help the people, right? We not over here organizing really and collecting this data and telling people, you know, who to vote for because we were kind of not understanding it. But boy, oh boy, let me tell you. But what did I tell you, Mo? Like when you have them come out, when they want you, when they need you, they'll donate to you. They'll give you things. Right. So that was why I, I feel like I've been sort of like slowly but surely like bringing you on board to how to best utilize that system for your gain because they're using you. So if they're using you, all right, well, what can you get out of it? You know, what can you get from that? And if you guys can raise money off of them, uh, that was my thought, like, whatever, you know, let them have that. I mean, it's really understanding how to use the system to benefit what you're trying to do and to be able to get money in for bigger projects. Right. Okay. So see, but okay. So I understand that now. Right. And for me, it's deeper than that. For me is like, just how I understand the probation system. And now I'm beginning to understand the local system. It is it is one of my responsibilities because it's, I'm not going to say it's my priority, but I will be using my voice as one of my responsibilities. My priorities is to educate the youth, particularly black boys, because they're the target. They're trying to destroy the black man straight up. And that's what it is. So um, my, 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 my priority in my brain is educating our young black boys on how the system, the legislative process, the voting system, everything that affects them, showing them and teaching them how it works, planting that seed early enough. So by the time they hit 16, they go and they register to vote, right? Being in the communities that I am in, in the county that I am in now, I'm not really too focused on like presidential or anything of that nature. I'm trying to hit these local, right? Because if we hit the local, we can flip district two, district, we can flip so many district one on the school board. We can do a lot of flipping. And then I was blown away when I seen the numbers for local. Like you can oh, flip somebody. I'm talking about it's like a couple thousand people. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Right. And so a couple thousand, thousand dollars. Right. And what I'm realizing is, is that the media is distracting us to stay on the on the you totally have to talk. You have to talk about me all the time. It's all about me. It's the only thing that matters. If you talk right. about me, it's really, really great. And that's the thing. He's the red dot on the wall that the cat's trying to catch. And it's like you don't realize. And while the presidency matters and you vote in it, there is nothing more important than who represents you at the local level, because that's where you can have the most influence. The right. GOP gets this. I try to explain to people all the time. The only reason George W. Bush ever became president 
It's not because he had any value. He's one of the worst presidents in the history of our country. But because the GOP's philosophy is build from the ground up, that's why they win. They prioritize local politics, whereas on the Democratic side, they don't prioritize local politics. But there's reasons for that, not the least of which is the fact that they rely a lot on the poverty vote to vote for them. But you notice how nothing ever seems to change. I've noticed that. Listen, let me tell you, I, I ain't even, listen, I'm not even trying to play, play the games. Okay. Like I, you know, they don't got the right one when it comes to like, once I understand what it is, I am slowly but surely educating the street leaders. I'm slowly see, because we have people in our communities that they'll throw an event and 500 people show up. They're my targets. You see what I'm really? saying? Educating them yeah. to the point where they understand, like I'm making phone calls. Like, bro, listen, we can flip this. We can take over Broward County, like on the street level, on the ground level, right? Because all this other stuff is played out. The fancy suits, the 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 the, the formal talking, these little um, what do you call them? Them um them um forums where you got three minutes to talk. Listen, if you really about the people, you want you need more than fucking three minutes to talk, okay? Let's stop the nonsense. Like you can't answer my question in three minutes, like, and then it's everything is rehearsed because of because I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna we don't want to hear that no more. Those days are over, right? So community work, 954, is about my journey of lack of knowledge, how I felt dumb and stupid at, uh, so many times just the, because I didn't understand what was going on. So as, as, as I got epiphanies and I understood, I want to teach people the same thing. I want to give them the experiences and encourage them and inspire them to go out there and do the work. You can start as simple as feeding one or two young people on your block, make an extra plate for somebody. You see what I'm saying? You may have, you may have prevented that young child from robbing somebody, right? It could be as simple as if you are an accountant or you do graphic design, donate three or four hours a month to someone who's trying to do the work. That means you're doing the work, right? It, it, use your gifts and your talents to help. Don't, you know, just give a couple hours a month to help a small organization grow that, you know, is impactful. If you're that selfish, then start eating healthier so you can get mental clarity and your, your heart can get cleaned out and you can become a better human being. You feel me? Like we have to yes. become better human beings. I have a big issue with, um, not knowing who you are, right? And then using all your accolades to, to think that you're going to fool me into being a good person because you have a, a PhD, a one, two, three, a five, ten, six, and you this, and you got a master's in this, and you this over here. I don't want to hear that shit. What have you done for your neighbor and for your community? Who are you in your heart? Because your oppressive tactics... And your racist mindset and the language that comes out of your mouth is destroying the soul of our children. You can say something to a child that will damage them for the rest of their lives. I'd rather get punched in the mouth. Yeah, me too. You yeah. tell me something that's going to linger for the rest of my life. Like, we got to start looking at people for who they are, not what they did or what they, or, or what they have done or who are they in here and how do they pour that into contributions to the community? 
If you don't want to be bothered with people, donate five dollars. And let me let me say this, like for people that are more in maybe my peer group, okay? Because the reality is, is that this kind of work is not necessarily needed in all communities. If you happen to live in a community that is very, very a privileged community, then you should absolutely find a way to work in other communities. So, and I'm not saying that feeding your neighbor next door isn't valuable in any community, but like, you know, some places need the work more than others. And mm-hmm. I think that most people don't realize that because they don't step outside of their own little, you know, ecosystem. And that's why for me, I'm always so like, I feel like in so many ways, Mo, I'm like always up your ass. Like, what are you working on? What can we do? What can I do to help you? Oh, yeah. You I have, I do, yeah, I do. I, I got to give you a shout out. Let, let me tell you about Jen, right? Jen is, Jen, Jen. <laughs> you know, some people will say, oh, Jen is problematic, you know? Here, look, oh my God, Jen, you know, Jen this and Jen that. And I'm like, well, I mean, I understand what you may be saying from your perspective, but let me give you my perspective. My perspective is that Jen be putting in the work. Jen um, extends herself, and I'm talking like she's not here. Let me talk to you, Jen. <laughs> Jennifer Perlman, generational change. Jen from generational change. She's right. She's like, yo, Mo, what do you need me to do? You need to come by. I haven't heard from you in a long time. Is there anything that you need? How can I help you? What can I provide? What, what my get, what can I do for you? Right. And I, and I love it and I appreciate it. She shows up. Um, when I call, she donates monetarily. She, 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 if she has extra stuff, she gives it. If she, I mean, the, the ladies, the lady just trying to give it all away. Okay. Like the lady, she really cares about wanting to make an impact in the way that she can. Right. And really help others. So I want to give you that shout out because since the day that I met you and let's give a shout out in a moment of silence for Dexter Gunn. Dexter Gunn. Dexter Gunn. That's how we met. Dexter Gunn introduced us. Dexter Gunn was at the forefront of Amendment 4. Um, really, really hitting the ground. A solid brother, a brother who helped brothers get out of prison with his knowledge, a brother who just was an amazing human being. And I met Jennifer Perlman through Dexter Gunn. So he's the um, reason I re I reactivated my law license. Like, you know, he was just very special. I, I feel like I knew him for a short while, but like it was very monumental in like this sort of turning point in what I'm doing. I, I it's just um yeah, it was very important to me. But I, I feel like I'm so like on you about this because you are you have your fingers on the pulse of what people in need need way more so than I'm going to ever be able to really detect. And I feel like you've allowed me entrance into an understanding that I never would have had about so many things. And like, I am forever grateful for that. So like, for me, it's like, and I've said this to you before, it's like, I kind of just want to be around it. Like you've got this I mean, I hate to say black girl magic, but there's this there's this thing about you that is just like, I don't know. It sucks me in, Mo. I love. Thank you, Jen. I I appreciate you. Jen has been in the trenches with me. Like so we had a brother out in South Broward that allowed us to use his home. Like I'm talking about this little tiny place where we actually made all the pancakes and we fed (laughs) what at least 100 and something people. 
um, yes. fresh pancakes with sprinkles and fresh fruits and you know, and, 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 and it's all about, it's, it's about not having any excuses. We can do a little bit every day. Can you imagine if everyone did a little bit? Yeah. Right. Um, and that's what it, what, what it's about. I'm still learning, right. I'm still figuring things out. Um, even when you ask, you know, what do I need at times? I really don't know. You know what I mean? Because yeah. although, um, I'm an advocate. I'm still in it, right? In the process of figuring this out and learning, and 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 wanting to to help um, our communities and really educate our communities. And education and understanding local politics is very important. I've actually now made that part of my work um, because I see the connection now, right? Because um, I converted you, Mo. I've con- when we met, she's like, I don't want nothing to do with nothing about politics. You keep your po- I don't want anything to do with any of that. And I'm like, you got to figure out what works for you, you know. And right. Like, I'm glad I was part of that. Yeah, yeah. You, uh, you were part of it. Peter was part of it. I remember having like a real deep conversation when I first met Peter. He had come down from up north, and he really like broke down a lot of things. Um, some friends that I have as well um, really broke things down, uh, really talked to me about how the school board is, is broken down, how, how it's broken down in districts. And, and, and just several people have really um, helped me understand this. So if it's taken me right this long to understand, imagine communities who, don't, who can't even make the connection. So it's going to take time. It's going to take love. It's going to take consistency. It's going to take creativity because ain't nobody, you can't just be going up and vote. They're going to be like, vote for what? Look what I should look like every day. Anyway, it's about serving. It's about building trust. It's about advocating and protecting the community from outside. And I call them intruders because I just want to come around every four years, extract and keep it moving. We're not doing that no more. What I find, Stop asking them for their votes and not giving people anything. What I find most interesting, and this is why I feel like Jen has to run one more time, is because the communities that are the most neglected are also the ones that have the most power when they're engaged. That is why Obama beat Clinton in 2008. That is why Andrew Gillum beat Gwen Graham in 2018. Um, and that's not what the establishment wants. The establishment wants you to do what you're told, mm-hmm. even if you're going to and be engaged in the process. You see, they act like they care about impoverished communities, particularly Wasserman Schultz, who has famed it for a generation. But if your community had, let's say, 500 people knocking on doors on behalf of Jen, oh, they would try to squash that in a second. They wouldn't they, they would come up with some scandal, some type of excuse, some gentrification plan. You know, they've been able to convince you that the big bad GOP and that's not to defend the GOP and their actions. But the big bad GOP is what is standing in between you living even worse than you're currently living or us basically keeping things exactly as they are. And maybe it gets a little better. Maybe it gets a little worse. But the truth is you have a lot more power than you think. Uh, that is what they don't want you to know. 
And when individuals like yourself really start educating the community, you know, that's where we have to we have to have your back, because if you start building real community outreach and you start helping non-corporate street minded individuals get elected into positions of power, that, that there is nothing more dangerous because that doesn't allow the rich developers to continue this charade that they've been able to get away with. This doesn't allow FPNL to continue to poison our water because they think that we're just addicted to fossil fuels. That's where the most money comes from. We could be, guild, be building green communities, sustainable communities, easily. Those are the just, and that's just the surface. This is this gets so much deeper than that. There are people who are strictly in it for their own personal selfish gains, like the person who came in to gentrify the community where the community garden was. And they're everywhere. And the only way that this is going to change, and this is a blueprint for everywhere, quite frankly, there are, for, for every, for every Weston, there is a Liberia, maybe multiple Liberias. Those communities are not allowed to thrive unless somebody else is suffering. We do not have a living wage. We do not have universal health care. Our planet's on fire. We're in endless war and we can't afford to live. So what the hell do you think is going to happen? At some point, the dam's going to break. And so the fact that you do what you do gives us hope. Because when we first started getting out there in the community, like you said, there were people who may have acted like they cared about Jen. But the truth is they were going behind our back, going to people like you and saying, oh, keep Jen away from any position of power. We can't have somebody like her upsetting the apple cart around here. But the walls talk and we know who's actually fighting for the right causes and the ones who are not. And you, my friend, are fighting for the right causes and cannot thank you enough for what you do. Mm-hmm. Listen, I appreciate your words. Um, I appreciate what y'all doing. And and for me, you know, it's it's in me. Like, this is my life's work. You know, I, I call the channel community work, but for me, it's like my life's work because I'm a, I am I believe that we are all here to be caretakers of the earth, right? Like, we have, we have an opportunity to wake up every day and... I look at I look at the earth like my home, right? Which we have to take care of the earth and everything in it. So again, because it provides an abundance. So I just, you know, consider myself a caretaker of the earth. Um, the universe provides an abundance, and we have a responsibility while we're here to make sure that the next we leave something better for the next generation. Or or or, or even, you know, we don't even want to think that far ahead. You know, we leave something better for our local communities, you know, for our for our schools, let's say. But for me, it's really for um, the bloodlines of the next generations and for us to feel empowered, because I also struggle. I'm like, holy shit, I feel. Oh, my God, I do have power. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, shit, this is real. Like. You know, because there, there's so many things that kind of like down you, like like oppress you and bring you down. And, and you think it's not. We have to teach that when you are rejected, it's actually you're being redirected. Hmm. Right. So. Yeah. Right. So. I've been rejected all my life. Right. I've been an outcast in a lot of spaces because, again, remember, I said I'm just. 
I don't like bullies. I just don't care who you are, what title you carry. If you're black, white, blue, pink or purple, like you're not going to you're not going to bully a black person, a Spanish person, a white person, a child. Like I don't I'm not on that. Like there because who are you to do it? Right. So everybody so many people have this false sense of entitlement. And it's just like really like I always think about why? Like, you feel me? Like, we all bleed the same way. We all got the same red blood. You know what I mean? Like, it's all about being humble and loving and just no one is perfect, right? We all have blemishes in our past. We've done stuff, whatever, that we may be proud of, may not be proud of, whatever the case may be. But at the end of the day, what are you doing today that's going to help the tomorrows? What are you doing tomorrow that's going to help the more tomorrows, right? Um, Let's see each other as assets to one another. And let's start like really focusing on things outside of ourselves. I think that we take things too personally. I think that there's a lot of sensitivity going around where we're not understanding our position or our power here on earth as we stand, right? So I'm still learning. And the journey of community work, I definitely want to share it because like, I've been blown by the stuff that I've seen or experienced. And I'm like, but I really thought this person cared. Like the levels of depression that I've gone through, right? I talk about my depression um, not often, but I do share it because a lot of people are going through it. So I'm no, I'm not this, oh my God, Mona Lisa's like the shit. No, no, no. It's, I really want to take care of the earth and I'm finding ways every day within myself to be able to do that. But I've also learned to take care of myself and when I know that there's a, a level of depression coming in, I, 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 I chill out and I, and I regroup and I go through my process and then I come back out a little bit stronger, um, a little bit wiser and probably redirecting a few energies. But um, I'm, I'm just a regular Mona Lisa, uh, a woman that cares and loves all of us can do the same thing. Find your gift and just just gift it. You feel me? Find your talent. Yeah, there's nothing regular about you, okay? Let's be very clear. There is nothing regular about you. You are not typical. You are extraordinary. So, um, oh, thank you. No, truthfully. And it's, it's very, um, I always talk about that the people that I can always work with are people that understand the nature of the collective and understand the importance of collective. And I can work with pretty much anybody who gets that, regardless of anything else, policies or, or politics. And that is something that I that you and I share. And I and I think that that's really important. And you do, you recognize your place in the collective and what you can do for the collective. And I, I find that very inspired. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Um, yep. One thing I wanted to say, oh, okay, I'm sorry, go ahead, Peter. No, no, come on, come on. Okay. One thing I wanted to say that I found really, um, I don't know if I want to call it shocking, but like in the political realm, like these political cliques. Yeah. Right, I, I just, it that really bothered me, like political cliques, people conspiring against others, you know, and I'm like, well, what happened to like the fair run? Like, what about what the community wants? Right. You know what so, they call you know what they call Washington DC Mo? Have you ever heard this? You know what they call Washington DC politics? What? Ho Hollywood Hollywood for ugly people. That's Good what God. they call it. That's what they call. 
And as sad a reality as it is for many of these people. We just need to do They treat, well, the first of all, the fact that we treat politicians like celebrities in this country is one of the biggest disasters that we face. But the other thing that we face is the reality that so much of the politics that exists, I don't know how it is as much on the GOP side. I don't see it as much, but um, this is this is like high school. Uh, the behavior is very much Ridiculous. like, you know, mean girls in high school. Um, and it isn't about getting anything done. It's about getting credit. People right. are obsessed with credit because, frankly, a lot of people who are in politics are very they're 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 very meager. They're very insecure in many ways. Oh, most very familiar with people needing to come and claim credit for shit. Yeah. <laughs> like there's there is no shortage of people that will swoop Believe in. Me, and- I have had I have had my hand and influence in some things that people will never know about at very high levels, and I don't care because that's not why I do this. That's not why Jen does this. That's not why you do this. We do this because we give a damn, and hopefully. The evolution, the future of politics, especially here, becomes more of people who are in it because they care, not because they're trying to ascend the career ladder. You've got too many freaking problems every day to be worrying about who are we gossiping about now? Who are we preventing from ascending now? How am I getting ahead now? And how am I getting credit now? If you're not in this for selfless reasons, then you're in it for the wrong reasons. And those types of people need to get the fuck out of politics. I, I, I'm in agreement. Let me tell you, right? So I'm like, how, like, you know, they call it like photo ops and shit like that. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. so I'm like, I'm trying to get away from the pictures. I'm trying to get away from everything, but everything's coming towards us because of the work that we do. So yeah. what I'll say is this, when you really putting in the work, like people come to you. And I'm saying I've, I've been at the point sometimes where I, I'm about to have like an anxiety or a panic attack because I've, I've let's say like I've spoken in public and I'll get like standing ovations and I go to freak out because I'm like, I just said, what the fuck is like really going on? Why is it a standing ovation? Of course, not say, of course, you know, I'm honored and humbled all the time. I'm honored and humbled. I don't take anything for granted. But for me, it's like. I'm speaking the truth that we see and it's almost like we're at the point where the truth is a lie and lies are truths, right? So I'm always honored and humbled and I'm going to be me, always will be me. And what happens is shit just gravitates. Like there's a point where it's like, oh, well, you know, I mean, I got news stations on my cell phone. Like, you know, what you're doing next? You know, I'll get calls to be on you know, you got to come up to New York and I'm just like, but I don't want to, I just want to, can I just do the work and go home? I don't want like all this crazy recognition, but then I learn in order to get support, you got to get the record, you know, you got to be out there and people got to see you. I'm like, well, damn, it's like a double edged sword. You know what I'm saying? So I, I truly have begun and now I understand a lot of the connections, right? So from the groundwork to politics, uh, local politics and like, you know, local races, commissioners and mayors and school board. I understand all of that now and how everything connects. So um, I started my, 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 my YouTube channel again with now more knowledge, 
more ground experience, um, being able to, to, to speak and educate and also like deliver a message of relatability. You see what I'm saying? So that's why now I feel more comfortable um, speaking on things because I, I understand. Now you'll have others that try to belittle me because of their privileges or how they feel things should go, right? Because there's always this thing like one group of people want to tell another group of people what to do and how to do it versus just understanding that we are all different. Stay in your lane. <laughs> stay in your, there you go. Stay in your lane. So Mona Lisa will always be Mona Lisa. Um, I, I, I love who I've become and grown to be. I still have a lot of work to do. Um, and I still have more learning to do, uh, particularly in, in, in like being able to connect more people and make it bigger. So that's what I'm working on and learning and I'm working on some curriculums. So probation station is my felony probation curriculum here in the state of Florida where I will be, well, I have, but I will continue to teach people how the felony probation system works, how to be proactive, um, what research you need to do before you take a plea, right? What to wear to court, which is very important because the judge does judge you. So language is a big thing because, you know, you'll say judge, well, that's the honorable judge, but the reality is, is that you're being judged, right? So helping people understand like that language is important and you have to be prepared. You know, um, I'm not defending anyone who has, you know, committed crimes and it's not that. It's not that. I, I need people to be clear. We are compartmental. And we have to educate ourselves for better outcomes. Um, in addition to that, learning how to maneuver through the community so you do not get misused. I have been misused a lot. But I didn't know, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't know, right? I just didn't fucking know. So now I know, I know my value. Like I know my place in, in this fight and that's what I'm working towards. Like that's what it is. Um, I want to share something very important to me if I may, right? Cause I got a text message this morning, which really bothered me because she's a, she's a very good friend of mine and she's a good soul. And she finished her felony probation many years ago and um, has been a major contributor in the community, particularly around feeding children and the incarcerated youth. And I mean, she gives her her like her life for children. Right. In her gift, in her lane. Right. She sends me a text message this morning that just really broke my heart. Um, she owes restitution. She is no longer on probation, federal probation. I, my area of expertise is state felony probation, right? Let's make that clear. 
but there's yeah. also federal probation. I'm not, I don't get involved in areas that I'm not, you know, you know, I stay in my lane. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so she, the, 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 they took her tax return, mind you, a single mom struggling. They took her tax return. And then when she calls to inquire about it, um, they're telling her that this will affect her until she pays off the restitution and need be, they will also take her social security. And, um, that shit really like fucked my head. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, she's like, she's stressed out. She's in depression. And I'm like, you know, I want to make sure that she's not having any crazy thoughts, right. That she's not, um, Cause it's like, what's the point of working then if they're going to take my social security? How am I? So, so she mentioned like, how is she going to live? Right. So these are the things, you know, and I can give you stories for days. Um, people getting killed, you know, hungry children, um, people with, with health issues. I'm a, Oh, I do have to share. I haven't shared. Well, let, let me finish that thought. So it's, it's, it's about working on helping um, people one at a time. So I'm thinking about figuring out how to negotiate her restitution. I don't know, Jen, maybe we could talk about it because you're a lawyer. Yeah. Um, and maybe trying to figure something out so it doesn't affect her as she gets older, right? Um, just always thinking of ways to, to bring about real solutions to, to, remove, to remove burdens from our people to make sure that their mental health is on point and they don't go ahead and do something, you know, that we, you know, that, that we, 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 we wouldn't want. Right. Yeah. Um, so that really like, that's been on my, my chest, like all morning, like, how is this possible? Like, why does this system just really, these systems really are so focused on like stomping on us. Right. They're predatory. They're predatory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And being in the space that I'm in, I, I experience those stories. I hear those stories, right? While some privileged people are over here talking shit and, and instead of trying to help us come up with solutions, they're also part of the problem. But yet, you know, they're for Amendment 4. And the hypo- it's for the hypocrisy for me. It's the freaking hypocrisy for me. So I, I'm just kind of still learning. You feel me? I'm not trying to offend nobody. I'm just saying like, I don't know. Like, just be be real with your words. Like, just I don't know. Like, with your actions, you know, your Sometimes. children interact. You know what I mean? Like, Sometimes. we're all gonna at some point interact with one another. You know. Sometimes the truth hurts, and that's just the way it is for some. But you are the consummate truth teller, and somebody that uh, we hope will come back on the show again at some point soon because. I want more yeah, people to know I'm, about. I, I, I'm working on doing my thing. I was going to share. Let me tell you. So, no, but I haven't posted it yet. But I'm saying. All right. Well, so, you know what, though? Wait, wait. Then wait, and you can come back and talk about it only because we have another guest coming on. Okay, cool. Perfect. All right. So we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll save that, but you'll tell me, right? Like you'll, you'll, you'll tell me. Yeah, I don't remember if I, to- I don't think I've told you. But anyway, y'all, listen, that was a little bit about me, the work that I do. You know, y'all can go on my channel, go subscribe. Um, and I'm just working it organically one day at a time, just like you guys have been doing. You guys have been really consistent, persistent. Um, 
and you haven't stopped. So I'm proud of both of you. Thank you so much for what you're doing. Thank you for having me on the show. Look at my earrings are all over the place. Um, you know, I always love the, the Mo earrings. The Mo Jen, you've created, Jen, you've, Jen, you've created a monster, literally, in a good oh. way. A, a, the, the one that we've been waiting for. No, I love nothing, is, nothing is as fierce as like uh, like an educated Mo. <laughs> you feel, that's just what I'm saying. saying. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. With that, I'm like, with that said, with that said, if you haven't gone to Community Work 954 on YouTube, make sure that you get over there to subscribe. Mona Lisa Weber is the real deal. We need a hell of a lot more of her and people like her here in South Florida and throughout the country. And we certainly hope that you will come back again because we could She'll come back. I'll drag her ass into the actual yeah, studio. Yeah, I know I'm going to yeah, oh. come back. Like, we be rocking. Well, I'll date a Bloody Mary in front of her. She'll come back. You know, like, I'm chilling. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll come back, you know. Um, much oh. love to all of you. Again, like, for real, thank you. Um, this was very cleansing for me, too. Like, you know what I'm saying? We need humanity. We need people to shed some tears. Get 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 that stuff out of out of you. So, um, thank you, Mo. Peace and love. And in the words of my mother, when you do it with love, it will flourish. Well, Amen. thank you, Mo. See you, Mo. Bye, y'all. Doesn't get more lovely than her, huh? Jen? I was going to say, well, I don't need to say she was lovely. Most lovely. She is very special, and she speaks to uh, the real truth about you know the things that we talk about, um, especially as it relates to you know we talk about the fact that so many of the things that go on today is a distraction from the real issues. And that's not to say that there aren't social justice issues, there aren't racial issues, there are tons of issues that dominate the conversation. But the economic issues of our time is what connects everything. Everything is connected to it. everything. And the reason why we're bringing on a, a guest that many of you may have not talked about for a while, but he is a fantastic non-corporate progressive from Kansas who ran for the United States Congress in District 3 just a couple of years ago. And he did it against a woman of color that they like to put front and center, but don't like to talk about the fact that she is a corporate representative. The weaponization of our politics is why individuals like Mona Lisa Weber have to fight tooth and nail every day to get through the weeds of this idea that if we just elect more people that look a certain way and talk a certain way, that'll solve the problem. It's not what's going to solve the problem. But with that said, we are very grateful to bring on somebody who truly understands what is going on in, as the great uh, author, uh, his name is slipping me right now, Tom. You can't uh, be that great if you can't remember his name. No, he's uh, Thomas Frank. Thomas Frank. Oh, okay. He said, what the hell, what, what the hell happened to Kansas? Or, or was, is it what the hell happened to Kansas? Or what the hell is wrong with Kansas? It's one or the other. Brett Welder, welcome to Generational Change. You'll let us know exactly what the title is. <laughs> it was what, it's what's the matter with Kansas. What's and, the matter uh, with Kansas? Yeah. Well, and Tom Frank is a, a friend. He's been right here in, in my office, uh, you know, kind of discussing the issues of the day with me before. And what an amazing, um, you know, author and thinker and, and progressive leader he is. That's for sure. And um, by the way, thank you so much for that amazing introduction you just gave me there as well. My pleasure. Um, it's, it's so fun to be on with you guys. 
It's nice to meet you. I, I mean, I, I, he knows, Peter knows everybody. Like I know very few, like he'll be like, you know, so-and-so I'm like, no, I don't, I don't, but thank you for coming. And it's very nice to meet you. Oh, it's my pleasure. And, and thank you for everything you guys are doing. Um, you know, not the least of which, thank you for running against Debbie Wasserman Schultz. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I was inspired by her recently. She, and she endorsed a candidate in the Florida 15. And so I made a donation, um, to the opponent of the candidate that she, uh, endorsed. So that's how you um, would have to do it. That's actually <laughs> the barometer. I always like, that's what I say to me. You don't even have to really know the issues. You just have to look at who's supporting that um, or who's supporting that person. That'll tell you everything you need to know. Absolutely. I, I was, um, I was on the, the Democratic National Platform Committee as a Bernie appointee several years ago for the convention that she was supposed to have been running. And um, I remember, uh, I remember, I think it was NPR, um, a few days or a day after the convention ended, came up to me and said, you know, how do you, how do you think the convention went? And, you know, how did it go for the Democrats? And I said, well, uh, the national chairwoman resigned in scandal uh, days before the convention amid allegations that she rigged the entire primary against one of the candidates and the party still, uh, put in that candidate as the nominee. So I would say that it didn't go very well. <laughs> I don't think you're making any friends with that type of commentary, Brent. I'm just saying, um, you know what, if we're going to talk about her, then let's talk about her. Uh, one of the great, uh, research groups um, that was brought to our attention by Crystal Ball is called Unusual Whales, which basically, uh, if you're aware, tracks uh, all of the wonderful stock trading that these uh, representatives like to do on the Hill. So just a few hours ago, it was brought to our attention. Debbie Wasserman Schultz was 456 days late on her, I don't know what this stock is, E-M-K-R, whatever, uh, stock purchase reported today. She has not paid the late penalty, but broke the stock act as she has done before. Yet she knows I am watching, so has put the note. This was a simple stock transaction was her response. Breaking the rules as simple as it gets. Well, and, and you know, the rules are so um, they're so ineffective, just, just like campaign finance rules, right? Like you see Congress people occasionally and politicians get arrested or get in trouble for breaking campaign finance rules. And it's like, really, really, you weren't even smart enough to figure out how to take the legal bribes that, that, that our system literally allows for you. We're in a system of legalized bribery. And, and it makes me think the same thing with, with this, you know, really, you couldn't figure out how to insider trade. Like literally the law is set up so that Congress people can insider trade. And, you know, leave the rest of us in their dust while they get rich off, you know, their public office. You couldn't figure out a way to do it correctly. So then that makes her, you know, as far as I'm concerned, corrupt and stupid. Yeah. But but is she really because, you know, they continue to get away with it. So who's really the stupid ones? Is it is it them who does it every day or is it the rest of us that allow them to do it? Well, I wouldn't say the rest of us. I, I would argue <laughs> that some of us have been hip to their crap for a long time, but I would suggest that there are a number of people, and especially we see it in Florida locally, that just sort of like suckle at the teat of what they perceive as leadership and greatness and don't even care that it's corrupt and filthy. And we, I've encountered people where even when you show them factual information, 
of quid pro quo corruption. Their response is, and I just had this the other day with someone here, their response is something along the lines of, well, that's just how the system is. Of course, they have to do it that way. There's no other way to do it. This is what people have come to accept. And, you know, it's amazing. And Democrats, I do think in that regard, are much more willing to tolerate corruption when they claim to have some sort of sanctimonious high ground on all these other moral issues. I just I find them to be more hypocritical on the left. Well, you know, um, uh, two years ago, I guess in 2020, Bernie again um, nominated me to a, a, a position on the DNC, which this time it was the Rules Committee. And I, um, I wrote a couple of amendments to the rules. Um, and one of them that I proposed was that the DNC would follow suit um, of what a bunch of candidates are doing which is um, saying the DNC won't take corporate PAC money, okay? Um, when I ran for office, I was actually the first candidate that created the no corporate PAC money pledge, and obviously it kept, caught on you know, tremendously. Um, candidates throughout the party, even, even we're even seeing a lot of establishment candidates that essentially um, were pressured so much that even they took the pledge, right? Well, not only, of course, this is not surprising, did the DNC um, you know, vote against my, my proposal there, but they did it by actually rigging the vote in the actual rules committee itself. Um, Sludge wrote a great article about it where people can Google it and go on there. So, you know, so the, the corruption is running so deep that not only are they completely willing to take all the corporate PAC money that, you know, they, they claim out of one side of their mouth, they're, they're railing against and out of the other side of their mouth, they're begging it to come in. But the way that they did it was by literally uh, rigging the internal vote on the issue in and of itself. So, you know, what does that tell you? It tells you that um, they've been getting away with this nonsense for a long time. And that's a great transition into where our initial conversation about coming onto the podcast, um, you know, had initially begun, because there was this uh, smear tactic that for some reason was thrown in your direction, you know, just a couple of months ago, which, again, uh, the year. There is. What, for what people don't really understand, and there is this idea that, you know, the fear is progressives will lose races for the Democrats, and that's the justification. No, the truth of the matter is we are non-corporate and everyone else is corporate. And it's no different than if you're a, if, if you're a, if you're on the police force and you're a straight shooter and you have a corrupt department, the department isn't going to think you're a good person because you're not corrupt. They're going to not like you because you're not you're not on the take like they are. There is this resentment of, oh, you think you're a pure person? Why? Because you don't take corporate money. You think you're yeah. better than we are. Well, let me assure you that the Democratic establishment hates progressives more than they hate the GOP. And if you need any proof of that, just look at a state like Kansas, which used to be as reliably Democrat when the party was the party of labor. But once the Reagan revolution came about, it's been it's been that way ever since. And the trajectory has been that way ever since. But now we have to deal with this other ridiculous issue, which, again, is just a distraction, as we know. And so ultimately what ends up happening is you get these uh, circumstances where we elect representatives who simply because of the boxes they check and not the policies that they espouse are getting elected into office. And that, of course, leads us to Sharice Davids. Now, the problem here is that this is the type of message that was going out. Why was it okay for AOC and Bernie to campaign for Sharice Davids' anti-choice opponent? 
but not for Dem leadership in, to, to support an incumbent in a socially conservative Democratic. Day. I love how people who clearly probably live on the coastlines like to comment on the heartland like they know exactly how people that live there think. Uh, you can try to make it make sense, but you won't. I'm so effing tired of the hypocrisy. Well, Brett, the floor is yours. Please tell us about the wonderful hypocrisy of the Democratic establishment regarding this issue. Well, and this wasn't just something that just came up recently. I mean, this this particular tweet was um, it, one among a line of hundreds, if not thousands. I mean, it's easy to, to find it on Twitter of this of this um, smear campaign that they're doing against me, against um, AOC, against Bernie. Um, and, and they've decided that they're going to start telling, you know, claiming that I'm anti-choice when I've been pro-choice my entire life. I ran as a strong pro-choice candidate. I, I you know, um, there's never there's you'll never find anything I've ever said otherwise. Um, and and frankly, you know, ran more strongly progressive and pro-choice than any than any other candidate, you know, in any of the race in the race that I ran against or, or in any other race that I've been involved in as a volunteer or anything like that. Um, but you know, the truth doesn't necessarily matter when they have an agenda and they think this is a great way to, um, you know, to smear progressive candidates, to smear Bernie, to smear AOC, uh, the democrat establishment did not, they were really afraid when, um, they saw my campaign catching on in Kansas, right? It was a congressional district in Kansas, AOC and Bernie were out here. I, you know, we were talking about um, you know, taking a message to Washington and to the people that, um, you know, is something that uh, plays well in, in New York City and in Kansas, right? And, and where we have common goals, common beliefs, where we're fighting for common people with, with everyday problems. And that was very, very scary to the establishment because um, it's very easy for them to say, oh, yes, you know, there are some progressives, but you can only find them you know, on the coast or in these few districts, these few big cities and stuff like that, they didn't know what they were going to do if it came to Kansas. And ultimately what they did was, you know, we had polling showing that I was ahead by, I think it was 15 points, you know, going into the last few weeks of, of the primary. It was just a, a, a democratic primary in a congressional district in Kansas, something that normally I don't think would garner a tremendous amount of attention from the Washington establishment. But what do you know, all of a sudden the last two weeks of the election, a million dollars of dark money goes in against me in the election, um, you know, in favor of, of a corporate candidate who used to be a corporate lawyer while I was fighting for workers against the corporations. And, um, and all of a sudden, you know, we ended up losing by, by a couple of points. Um, and, and, but that wasn't enough, right? They have to try to take me down even further. They have to try to end me. They have to try to end any progressive that, you know, would dare try to run on progressive values. And so there's this, this targeted, I, I guess, sophisticated to the extent that I don't know if it's bots or who's actually doing it, but it's a repeated smear campaign on Twitter of all kinds of different things. But this is one of the ones that just keeps getting repeated over and over again. And it's completely false. Couldn't have said it better. Um, one thing that I also remembered very well is that on the night of your election, you were leading consistently up until the point that the vote total was around 95%. And then, and you were leading by, I think like six points, if I remember correctly. And then lo and behold, a whole bunch of votes just managed to fall in the lap of your opponent. And she won by a couple of points. You see, when that type of thing happens, when you get somebody like it's totally rigged and everything is rigged, well, there's a reason why it lands when Trump says it, 
because they really think people are asleep. They really think that he's just this guy who's out there claiming that it's rigged, when in reality, he's just watching the way things unfold and he's using it to his advantage. He's a complete self-serving jackass, but that's neither here nor there. He's never going to succeed if he's not using something to his advantage and would love for you to speak on that because to me, there was something really wrong with the way that that election unfolded that night. Yeah, there, there were some serious questions about that. And I know um, there's an, uh, an attorney and an investigative journalist, I believe her name is Jennifer Cohen, who actually came out here and investigated and found that um, some of the, the voting machines being used in our district are only used in a, a few, you know, scattered, precise, you know, key districts around the, the um, country that um, have had similar types of problems. Um, but, you know, the, the big thing is this, it's not just the smears of progressive candidates. But let's take a look at what the establishment is actually doing. They're doing the very things that they're trying to smear us for, right? They, they make up a lie saying that I'm anti-choice and that candidates came and campaigned for me. Yet the actual leadership of the Democratic Party all went down to Texas to campaign for Henry Cuellar, uh, who was actually a pro, who was actually a pro-life candidate, right? Um, and just anti-choice. Sorry. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and, uh, you know, they haven't had, they haven't had to answer for that. They have no, you know, why is, why is that? Why is it only, why is it a terrible thing when a, when a progressive gets wrongfully accused of doing something that, that the establishment openly does, uh, you know, each and every campaign cycle? For somebody who lives in the heartland, uh, I would like for you to be very frank about the fact that there is a huge push with the Democratic corporate establishment to push an anti-white sentiment. And I'm wondering what type of an effect that that has had on very white Kansas, which is extremely red, but doesn't necessarily need to be. This idea that electing a white man on its, on its surface is a bad thing, to me, speaks volumes about the manipulation that exists within the corporate establishment. That it is all about maintaining this system that screws the overwhelming majority of us rather than getting to the point where our focus is on the issues we were to get there, that's when significant change would happen. They will use any weapon at their disposal, and this is why I hate the culture war, because it's always used as a weapon to divide and conquer as far as I can see. You know, I mean, I, I, the way I feel about this, and I think a lot of people feel this way, is um, you know, I think that diversity in politics and elected office is incredibly, incredibly important, right? Um, I have a law firm here in Kansas City. We do we do trial law, and my wife is my my law partner. She's a brilliant, amazing attorney, and um, you know, just even just having that small amount of diversity, where you have two equal partners, one man, one woman, in a law firm, just brings so many great new ideas and perspectives to every case we do. Um, and, and the same thing happens in government. The, the more diverse we have it, the better. And, you know, my entire life, to the extent on a ballot when I'm lucky enough to have, um, you know, several good candidates running for various office, I always default to um, trying to add diversity, whether it's whether it's, you know, electing women, uh, voting for people of color, whatever it may be. Um, but the important part of that is that um, they they have to at least be candidates that will stand for the right things and will stand up for regular people and that will actually represent the diversity that we hope that they will, right? I mean, what we know is that women do the exact same work as men and a lot of times better 
and get paid less for it. We know that people of color do the same work and usually work harder than, than you know, white people in the same job, and they get paid less for it. And we need champions to go into government at every level and fight like hell to make sure that those disparities go away. And yes, we need a diverse, we need a diverse government for that. We do. But most importantly, we need to make sure that every single person we elect is someone that's actually going to go in and fight for those things. Yeah, I agree. I can't stand it when people play the identity card. We see it all the time. We see it with our vice president. You know, it's, it's if you're going to play the identity card, that's great if you're actually serving that group that you're identifying with. Like if you are representative of a vulnerable community, but you're serving against that community's best interest, the fact that you're a member of that community doesn't do anything for us. So I, I just, it's, it only matters what your actions are on behalf of that community. You just happen to being, be a certain color doesn't help us in any way if your perspective is still corporate. And, and, you know, and one thing I want to do while I'm on with you guys is really encourage everyone to consider running for office. And, um, oh, you know, I, <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> well, you know, I had never run for office before. I don't know if you had before. I had never run for office nope. before I ran for Congress. Um, I decided to run at the congressional level because I actually had a long history of I had managed U.S. congressional races and worked on some presidential campaigns and things like that. So I thought that that was the right level for me to try to jump in where I, where I had a good chance of winning. Um, but, you know, um, Bernie Sanders was saying before I ran, he was saying to people on the stump everywhere he went that the number one thing people could do would, would be run for office themselves. And that's, that's a large part of the reason that I decided to run and a large part of the thing that, that inspired me. And I hope that people will do the same. And here's the thing. I know it sounds super scary and super hard, and, and there is a lot that is scary and hard about it. But what I really encourage people to do is find a level of government that you're at least comfortable with or that, that at least you have a decent chance of winning at, right? Because we need people to start winning at the most local levels, and then that's the way that they can you know, build a constituency, build a name for themselves, show themselves out there fighting for people while in office, and then work their way up. Um, I mean, there's, there's school board races, there's city council races. There's countywide and city, you know, city type of elections in every single community um, in the country. I even, you know, looked at our sample ballot here in Kansas for the election coming up here. And I saw that nobody ran for nobody was running for some like super local office that we have. Um, and, you know, so you, you might even be surprised. You might run for office and find out nobody's running against you. Right. And if you and if you don't win the first time, run a second time or a third time. But I but I think um, the more that we have people that are willing to stand up for regular people, for people that are that are just getting destroyed and, and their lives decimated every single day by the greed, but whether it's corporate and business greed, whether it's the greed of the establishment um, in, in politics and in government, things are getting worse every single day and not better. That's really, that's really terrible and it's really scary and it's happening rapidly, um, you know. I don't know if that makes me sound old. I don't think I'm that old. I just turned 41. Um, you know, and I, and I remember, I know, I know. And I remember, um, you know, when I was young, older people, oh, you know, things just aren't the same as they used to be. But I mean, to me, it seems like things aren't the same as they were five years ago or 10 years ago. And things are just rapidly devolving. Um, unfortunately, and I'm sure it's happening around the country. I know in the Midwest and around where I live, 
um, every single day, I feel like things are getting worse and worse and worse. And I feel like the the establishment politicians, whether it's the Republicans and the conservatives that are passing it, whether it's you know establishment Democrats that aren't that aren't fighting it effectively, or that even like secretly or not so secretly um, aren't even against it, um, things things just need to change. Um, we, there's a there's a candidate in the next state over here. You know, I'm in the Kansas City area, so I'm on the Kansas side. But on the Missouri side, there's a candidate for U.S. Senate in the uh, Democratic primary that is a member of the Bush family, like like Anheuser Bush. Yeah. Um, she's a she's a heiress to a, you know billions. I think she's worth tens or hundreds of millions of dollars. <laughs> and the other day she was campaigning, and somebody asked a question about um, Citizens United. And she literally said, and I, I tweeted that I retweeted this um, that you, you can see the video, but she literally was saying, "Oh yeah, can you remind me what that Citizens United thing is all about again?" I mean, that's that's the establishment Democratic candidate in a key state in the Senate race for this election coming up. She's been endorsed by dozens and dozens of establishment politicians and establishment you know, organizations here in, here in the state and in the Midwest. And uh, she literally doesn't even know uh, what Citizens United is. Wait, until, wait, wait until Pritzker runs for president because the same thing's going to happen because he's got all the money um, and he gives a good speech. I mean, I heard him do it in New Hampshire not too long ago. Uh, the party as of today is completely captured by corporate special interests. And for them, Keeping the money train going is all that matters. The people be damned, you know. This is where we and are, it's, and it's so stupid. I mean, it's 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 not only you know immoral, um, but it's it's completely ineffective, right? Let's not even talk about from a legislative perspective how ineffective it is, even from an electoral perspective. I mean, basically, what you have is giant corporations, billionaires saying, okay, you know, for every two dollars that we give to a Republican candidate. We're going to give one dollar to an establishment Democratic candidate. Well, what does that create? It creates a, a situation where the Democrats are literally just always working from behind and always, you know, losing and always at a disadvantage for the rest of time. Um, so even if you're just going to purely look at this from a, you know, a shrewd electoral standpoint, what is that doing for for the Democratic Party and for progressive values? And here we are today on the precipice of what is going to be a, a deeper, uh, you know, divulgence into, you know, you want to say pseudo-fascism of some sort. Um, we are in a very bad way and in a very bad time. Um, right now, my money is on DeSantis being our next president. And that's not something I say gleefully. That's just reality. Uh, I do believe Joe needs to be primaried in 24. I think it's going to happen. Um, I think history has shown that this is something that is just kind of inevitable after a certain amount of time. Um, George H.W. Uh, Bush was primaried by Pat Buchanan in 1992. Of course, Jimmy Carter was primaried by Ted Kennedy in 1980. Um, there just comes a point where, you know, the system is so beyond repair that it needs to be broken. And in the face of all the negative things that we see happening today, just something as simple as the fact that people still want to poke the bear regarding, you know, your campaign and suggesting that you were anti-choice and all that. And it's like you really don't see the bigger picture or, as has been suggested, there is a coordinated effort to keep progressives not. And, it's, and again, it's not even about being progressive. It's about being non-corporate. It's about being outside the purview of this corrupted system. 
and knowing that there are really tens of millions of people in this country. I'm from New Jersey. I live in Florida. You're from the heartland. And we think very much the same. There are probably certain things on the periphery that we do see differently. But overall, we really do agree. And I have no doubt that there's a lot of libertarian conservatives that feel the exact same way. There is this distraction that has been used for a long time and it's worked. But I question how much longer it's going to work. If we're able to put our differences aside and really focus on the task at hand, which is electing non-corporate representatives at the city council level, the county commission level, the school board level, especially. That is how this change is going to happen. And I do think that things always seemingly have to get worse before they get better. Um, unfortunately, Jen's power did go out. So I am going to have to, I, I will be the one who will, who will wind this down. But Brent, it's really been a pleasure having you on today. And if there's anything you'd like to address before you go, anything that you may be working on, any uh, recommendations that you might have, please, by all means, the floor is yours. Great. Well, you know, like I said, I just want to continue to encourage everyone to have the courage to speak truth to power, speak truth to the establishment wherever you can, because it does make a huge difference. And when you do it, it inspires other people around you to do that as well. Um, you know, I, I'm lucky in the sense that, you know, in addition to any political activities that, that I'm involved in, um, every day I get to come into work as a trial lawyer that represents regular people against giant corporations and insurance companies. And I get to kind of like let out some of my, you know, energy uh, in that regard, uh, you know, doing, doing those kind of cases. Um, so, you know, another thing I encourage people to do is if you, if you think you have a case, I mean, we, we, um, we specialize in catastrophic injury and wrongful death type of litigation. Um, and our, our website is welderfirm.com. Um, but I have people from all over the country, um, progressives, other, other people that, um, that kind of know about the work that we do that reach out to us anytime they need help with anything, um, you know, that is an injustice going on around them, especially a situation where a giant corporation, um, is taking advantage of, of a regular person. And so, you know, I, I, want to offer my, my help and advice to anybody um, that wants to do that. I want to encourage people to continue to speak truth to power and, and speak truth to the establishment, have the courage to stand up and do it. Um, and also, um, you know, give it, a, give it a try to run for some kind of little local office because you'll be surprised um, at, you know, how well you might do and what a difference you'll be able to make over time. Ken, Ken could not have said it better. Uh, Brent, if you could just one more time, how do you write the URL? Uh, Welder for... Oh. Welder firm. So like law firm, but it's welder, uh, like the job and then firm firm.com is our, is our law firm. But yeah, anybody that needs anything, you know, please reach out to me. Um, Did you because... ever consider being a welder? Did you ever consider being a welder? <laughs> you wouldn't want me, um, you wouldn't want me, uh, uh, constructing any kind of bridges or anything that you'd want to okay. drive on. So I think it's probably safer that I, um, hold the guys I accountable that are building the bridges to make I sure. Finally, I met a welder. I'm in the process of renovating and I had a welder. He's like a third generation welder have to come do in some like stairway work for me. And it's incredibly cool. So I, I, I'm just saying it's a very useful, it's a very useful skill. I'm astonished when I see great welders. I mean, the work, I, I would never be able to do anything like that. <laughs> All the more reason why we need tuition free public college, particularly trade schools. Welding is a, an essential profession in this country that pays well and has great benefits. Oh yeah. There's good money people. Especially if it's unionized. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Couldn't have said it better. Brent Welder. Thank you so much. Appreciate what you do. And we will definitely be in touch down the road. Thank you so much. Brother. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for everything you're doing. Talk okay. to you later. Bye-bye.
So sorry about work. that. There's work being done downstairs, and all of a sudden, all the power went out. And then some guy comes and knocks on the door, and he says, "And I'm like, yeah, our power just went out." He's like, "Yeah, I did that." I'm like, he's like, I didn't realize anybody was here. I'm like, well, you didn't check. So I need that back on, please. So then it came back on. <laughs> so we're going to close, obviously, um, next Monday. Very important. Uh, so you all know. Next Monday, we are going to have on both Maud Herezi, who is running for Congress in Connecticut's first congressional district on the Democratic Party line, as well as Matthew Ho, who is running on the Green Ticket Party line for the U.S. Senate in North Carolina. They are both embroiled, can't even say engaged, it's embroiled, because that's really what it is, in lawsuits against the Democratic Party. Why? Because the Democratic Party doesn't believe in democracy any more than the GOP does. So we will find out exactly what is going on with their lawsuits on Monday. But today we are going to close with what I think is a very important story to talk about for this reason, and I'll explain. So for those of you who obviously have been paying attention, uh, there was a protest outside of the Supreme Court's uh, offices yesterday um, in what looked more like, um, you know, a, a for show type situation. Political theater. And, and so I can tell you that, um, well, we'll show it, but there, there is a significant issue that I take, not with the activism of AOC, Ilhan Omar and the rest of the squad. Uh, but you'll see what I mean. Jen, what do you think? I think it's silly, but, you know, I think it's silly and I, I think it's even silly to give it more credit now. I think that these are people that have. So, so there's no problem standing up to law enforcement, but they won't stand up to mama bear. So I, I just to me, it's like you don't get to come out and pretend to be a real fighter when you have voted present on things like the dome over Israel, when you don't fight in where you are. So you now you want to show how you could fight in the outside, but why aren't you fighting on the inside where you are? I, I find this very performative. I really do. I find it annoying. I think it's fundraising. I think this is sort of like the squad's version of Kente cloth tails. I think that as we've talked about, AOC's greatest strength is at the local level, especially in New York City. What she does on Capitol Hill is not only ineffective. But 
when you put your hands behind your back, like your hands are cuffed and then you wave, like you're giving so much cannon fodder to people who don't like you already and the people who may be on the fence about you to look at this and think, yeah, this is performative. And I know there are people who are out there saying, oh, no, AOC was really arrested and Ilhan Omar was really arrested. Yeah. And it's okay. like, so they were arrested with no consequence. They were arrested as celebrities. They were arrested. And there will be no consequence for that. So it, that's performative. I don't care that they were arrested. What does that do for us? Are they fighting for a $15 minimum wage or are they backing down because of a parliamentarian? I don't care about their street theater. This, th these are the kinds of things that make someone like me think less of them. And I'm one of the people that normally defends them. Like, this is just silliness. It's not just that. It's the fact that you're in a moment right now where you're trying to save a woman's right to choose. And there are people who still do not understand that human nature acts in very selfish ways sometimes in mysterious ways. And there are people who simply are not going to support an initiative because they simply don't like the way you act or your, your conduct. There are many people who didn't vote for Bernie Sanders because they simply didn't like that he was such a curmudgeon. Well, this is how I am. And if you don't like it, that's too bad. And I, I'm just disappointed all around by all this. And, but, and it, it's almost like it just feeds into our whole like TMZ culture. You know, like it just it's just fodder. That's all. And I, I don't I think, you know, again, this would be like one of those primary prime examples of the fact that, you know, right now here's a good example. You know, you've got Nancy Pelosi's husband who has been caught trading. I, I kid you not. Five million dollars worth of stock prior to a U.S. Senate vote. If that's not criminal behavior, I don't know what is. And nobody in the Democratic Party says anything. You know, Wasserman Schultz does it on a smaller level, but is still doing it nonetheless. And no one is calling it out. And so if you're not willing to even go so far as to say, President Biden, we have to do something about this. And we are not, you know, again, it's like you tie your hands proverbially behind your back when you don't even have them tied. You don't need to have them tied. You have power. You have influence. You could be out there actually doing something to change the circumstance. And instead, going in front of the cameras I, I don't know how you think that's going to help you. Fundraising. Like, that's fundraising. And how that's any different from the crap that Pelosi does, I don't. Th these are people that are now seemingly to me just training to walk in her footsteps. Because this, to me, this kind of performative shit, it's the same as the Kente cloth shit. You're never going to see Katie Porter doing this. No. Ever. No. And I and I hate that she's like the one person we can let. You're never going to see Bernie doing this. Like that's that's not because it's, it's not real. It doesn't make anything happen. Is anybody really concerned that AOC is going to like be prosecuted to the full extent of the law, and that she's actually going to see jail time for speaking out and using her First Amendment? Like or, the, or, or, or Alex, the fact that you decided to give air to Al the other Alex, Alex Stein for catcalling you on the on the Capitol steps. Ooh, look at that juicy booty. And who cares? You're a federally elected representative. You're one of the most recognizable politicians in the country and in the world. Like, wh wh why do you even give air to it? Why? What's the point? You're going to make it. You're going to help him get several thousand subscribers more on whatever channel and stuff he does. 
and make him more money. And you're going to look like a baby in the process. Yes, I know it's tough. It's not easy to do what you do. Yes, I know there are threats. There are difficult components to this job. But Alex, whoever is giving you advice, they ain't giving you the right advice. This is not helping. You think you're going to run for the U.S. Senate against Kirsten Gillibrand in two years? You think you're going to run for president at some point? She can't. I, I, it's very limited. It's very limited. And when it's you're out there, and the facial expressions when you're doing, the people will not be defeated. People, again, and I defend you a lot. I do, we do, yeah. And 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 that that just it it's it that does not help. No. And you've got Corey Bush, who's in probably a more competitive primary than people are even admitting right now, because the establishment is desperate to get her out. They they another another state senator gets propped up to go run against her to try to knock her off. You know, we are grateful that, you know, you and Ilhan are going to go to St. Louis to help her. And Lord knows she needs it. And that's where your strength really is, is getting out the vote. And, and that is necessary. But we're in a situation right now where we are staring down, as I like to say, the barrel of a DeSantis presidency or dare I say a Trump 2.0 presidency. And that is not something that should be taken lightly. We're in a situation right now where the, the narrative has constantly been thrown at us that we are not allowed to speak up for our rights. Everyone wants to talk about the fact that Hillary Clinton and Debbie and all of them got away with their cheating. And the fact that they turned off so many independent voters that Trump somehow managed to win an, a, an election that had not been seen since Truman defeated Dewey back in 1948. That was because of Jill Stein and Susan Sarandon. Instead of the fact that it was about a system that's broken and people are not being served. And it's no different. You know, everyone talks about, you know, like we talked about Kavanaugh and Barrett and, you know, uh, and Gorsuch and who might have been there if Hillary had been president. Well, what about the fact that 300,000 Democrats voted for George W. Bush in Florida in 2000. And that is why he's president. It has nothing to do with the fact, as I mentioned the other day, that a whole bunch of Jews in Palm Beach and Broward County voted for Pat Buchanan. We know they didn't mean to vote for him, but that's what you focus on. Why don't you focus on, or you focus on Ralph Nader? You don't focus on the fact that there were 300,000 in a state that was decided by 537 votes. You never talk about that. And that is how Sam Alito and John Roberts are on the Supreme Court. What about that? How come they don't get blamed? Because it's a narrative. Well, and they're also not necessarily the same level of unqualification and just like completely um, politicized as Amy Coney Island, you know, or, or Brett Kavanaugh. The reason they come at us so hard is because they know that their power is dwindling and they don't have the ability to control people like they used to. So constantly shaming and screaming and telling you that you're bad and you're a, an enabler of fascism or you're a sexist and a racist and a bigot and blah and everything you could think of. Or you're an enabler or you hate gay people or you hate trans people. All the while, they're not doing anything to help you. That's why our guest, Mona Lisa Weber, is so important, because she knows better than anybody how much the people who really need the help never get it. 
I'll tell you what she also knows just from spending enough time with her. She knows the people that are real and the people that are bullshit. She knows the people in the community that are wanting to be there for photo ops and the people that are real. She knows. I would love to, I would love to see you run again with her basically as your right-hand woman and any one of those, you know, who's even attempt to get in your way because they're going to have to deal with her and that ain't going to be good. Look, I, I have to, I have to handle Mo very delicately about politics. You know, she, first of all, Mo is an empath and she takes things like very, like it physically affects her. And so even though she's extremely badass, in some ways I do look at her as like very, very pure. Like when we first started hanging out, she didn't realize the level of filth and corruption. Like it was very, because most that's because most people don't. And she's just very pure hearted. And a lot of this stuff, I really, she knows I protect her. I feel like a lot of this stuff would sully her if she knew how filthy it was. So I'm very, very respectful of that and about how much I can pull her into that world because she, first of all, I think she'll end up like th- having a throw down with somebody and it'll just go badly for them. So I'm kind of in some ways protecting other people. No, but, but you know what, if that happens, if that has to happen to one of the people that, you know, basically was a saboteur. If that happens, then that basically, in some cases, it just kind of has to happen because some of them just need to be put in their place. And in many cases, they don't get put in their place and they get in the way, you know, that I think- You're scared of her. Let me tell you, you're scared of her. They are. Well, listen, you told me about the one time that, you know, uh, well, let's just not name names. It doesn't matter. No, we're not naming well, basically, names. Um, basically, just froze like a statue. Oh, yeah. And that's, again, uh, you, the truth is, Jen, you need people like that. You just do. Well, and Mo think. is, I mean, she's fierce, but she's she's fierce, but she's sensitive, you know? Like, she's she's in some ways, she's she's like a delicate soul to me. Like, I, I feel like I protect her her at all costs with that. Like, I only want her involved to the extent that she needs to be. Well, with that said, if you like what we're doing, and I'm sure a lot of you do, go to patreon.com forward slash generational change for as little as $5 a month. You could become a patron. Uh, do we have any new patrons, Jen? Maybe? I haven't gotten any in a while. We okay. need some. We need some more help. We need patrons, people. Paul, it's uh, at the top. It is, get that for you. Community work. And I think it might be officially community work 954. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, check out her channel. And it's very varied. And she's very into healthy, sustainable living. She's very into, you know, um, community farming. And she's always posting really healthy things. She's very into juicing, Um, you know, just really things to try to help people become more and more self-sustainable and less and less dependent on the people that are their oppressors. That's basically what it's about. So... So with that said, we hope you enjoyed. Again, make sure you go to patreon.com forward slash generational change, five, $10, $25 a month, whatever you're feeling spicy about today. One of these wonderful shirts, obviously our content initiatives that we work on here locally, initiatives that we will very likely work on with Mo. And also, so, I also need to give a shout out because the League of Women Voters is doing their school um School supply drive from August 1st to the 31st for the month of August. And I will be putting together a flyer for them and we'll put that out. So we'll be collecting school supplies for the league for the month of August. Sounds great. Um, Again, uh, we're doing what we can. um, And like Brent said, you know, if you have any thoughts about running for local office, 
it it is it can be very daunting, but it's very very worth it. If you and, and did you put out there while I was disconnected that like that's something we're willing to help people with locally? Like it it yeah. really is a very small task politically to run for some of these local offices, and there you get a lot of bang for your buck. You do. You do. Everyone focuses on the federal seats and the federal seat. Again, the only reason why we have really centered in on the federal seat here is because Wasserman Schultz really is that bad and that powerful and, and needs and this area needs a change. But the truth is, in most places, it, it is very unlikely that that's going to happen. We've had conversations with multiple people who insist on running for federal office when they have no chance. And there are opportunities, whether it be for, as we said, city council, county commission, school board, even mayor, and have the opportunity to win. Best example, and he's a really good candidate, is Richie Floyd, who's now a mayor out in the Tampa Bay area. Or is it So that's him back on. He was adorable. Yeah. Yeah. So we got a lot of work to do, as you guys know. But keep up the great uh, support if you can. And if you can become a Patreon patron at patreon.com forward slash generational change, it would be awesome and much appreciated. Remember, Monday night, a very, very enlightening conversation will be had. Uh, um, Rob, there's there's a there's a a gentleman named Robert Milwee that's in the primary that qualified against her. I've communicated with him. He is apparently running as a centrist Dem against her in the primary. That's all well, I know. He'll convince all of the Dem clubs and caucuses controlled by Karen Fortman to come over to his side. Trust no, me, he's, he's, working. he's working on it. He's working he's, on it. He's not going to pull progressives. He's really, I, it's kind of silly. He seemed nice enough, but that's all I know right now. And then Carla Spaulding is in, in the Republican primary, and she also has someone else in that primary. There's another person in the Republican primary, too. Carla will win, and she'll be... Uh, you know, a thorn. I mean, I'll vote that. for Carla in the general. I voted for her last time in the general. Well, I much prefer Carla Spaulding to Debbie Wasserman Schultz any day of the week. Well, you get yeah. Debbie out for one term because that's all Carla would last. And then you flip it back and have a new. Uh, maybe, and maybe you don't. But what I do know about Carla is she's not some entrenched corporate. Yeah, do me a favor and stop putting your foot in your mouth with what you say sometimes. It doesn't. Let's not talk about electing a GOP here because that's not helping us. It's only going to make us look petty. We need to be smarter about what no, we're saying. No, it's not petty. It's about voting to, against corporate influence in our politics. And, and I've Carla, said it a million times. It has yeah, and Carla, and, and listen, I, and, and Carla's a nice lady, but she's corporate too. She takes all of that money. It's it's all a shell game. They're all part of this problem. And she'll end up voting on things that will end up being even worse in many instances. This is all ridiculous anyway, because there's not a Republican winning that seat. So it doesn't even matter. That's the point. Not. I guess not. But, you know, unfortunately, they'll look for anything that they can use against you. And that's what they do because they don't care about making things better. They just care about maintaining the fiefdom for however long it lasts. But not going to last forever. It never does. They all think it will. But inevitably, it changes. And that's why we're here. That's what we're trying to do. So with that said, we appreciate you guys. We hope you enjoyed. And we hope to see you all on Monday. Thanks for watching. If you want to support our mission to transform politics into service, please like this video, subscribe, follow us on social media, and consider joining our Patreon, where you'll get early access to our interviews as well as other exclusive content. Links are in the description. Peace out.